0: Good morning, church. Good morning, Alma. Good morning, St. John's and those of you who were smart and stayed home. (laughs) But we're really glad that you made it through uh, as we begin this journey. This is going to be a different journey. I know that many of you have studied the life of Christ before, but I just wonder how many have actually delved into the radical nature of his personality. You know, he was a, an anti-culture guy. He did not like the culture into which he found himself and which he intentionally came. He didn't like the leadership, the way rule was going on and reign. As a matter of fact, he just didn't like the kingdom, but the time was right for him to come. And he did many things that were different as he introduced his kingdom these are the things we're going to look at for the next 11 weeks. and I really encourage you to, to use the books that you've been given to ask questions of yourself as you delve into this life of Christ as we go against the grain and see how he did that to accomplish what he's accomplished for us today, which is our salvation. So let's dive in. I was invited to speak by a friend of mine at a fairly good sized church in the south. And he said, send me your bio so I'll remember everything. I said, okay. So I'm sitting in the front row, place is packed out and not because of me, but just because it was a church and that people like to go to church there. And he got up and he said, tonight, we have a distinct privilege of introducing a speaker said he's a, he's a wonderful man of God, married with a family, he's written a book, he's just very talented, he, he dives into the theology, and I'm just sitting there becoming more and more embarrassed, until he said, so without further ado, unfortunately, Chuck Swindoll could not be with us tonight, and <laughs> Wally's here. He really did that. <laughs> That's a, a classic introduction, isn't it? I think probably the most famous introduction in our lifetimes happened in 1969 on television. And you'll know it because you'll finish it with me. Here's... Listen to all of you. There you go. Ed McMahon struck that up and for 30 years every night he introduced him that way. Introductions are important. If you go online, you'll find where they tell you how to give an introduction that You want to make sure that people really understand who's coming before them. You want to paint a beautiful picture and set it up just right, which is the exact opposite of John the Baptist. Now, John is called the baptizer by Matthew. He's called Baptist by Mark, but there were no Baptist churches back then, so it had nothing to do with Baptist. It had to do with the fact that this was the ministry to which God set him apart, that early in his life, we don't know exactly when, but we know that God had touched him and that he went out into the wilderness to live. He dressed in camel's hair. I had a camel's hair coat once, and it's real nice unless you start feeling it. It's kind of itchy and uh, very expensive, but he, he had that and he had the breath of dead locusts. But he did dip them in honey. You know, wonderful diet. He was very much like Elijah. And when Jesus had said, one like Elijah will come, he didn't mean the reincarnation of Elijah. He meant John the baptizer. And so this is this unique individual who's in the northwest section of the Dead Sea, just above the Dead Sea to the north and the west, And he's baptizing people. And he's calling them to repentance. And he's introducing something new. But he's just an unusual guy, but everybody just loved him. They loved going out to him. Thousands would come every day and line up next to the Jordan River so that he could baptize them. Now, these were mostly Gentiles. Because back then, if you wanted to embrace the Jewish faith, you had to be circumcised, and you had to follow the laws, the dietary laws, and you had to attend synagogue. And John adds something else. You should also be baptized for the cleansing away of your Gentileness. Well, that was understandable. So you'd go through all these rituals, and then you were allowed to come to synagogue. Well, the influence that John had was so powerful that the Jews were beginning to worry. The Sanhedrin, sometimes called the Jewish Supreme Court, it was those men who stood above the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that court was made of those men, but not all of them were on it. And they heard about John and they said you know we need to know more about this John who's doing all the baptizing because he is a threat to our economy and to our way of life why is that well because right now the way you get rid of your sinfulness as you come every day to the temple we'll look at that in a few weeks and you offer an offering to take care of your sins. And the priests receive the offering. And you think they just go in there and sacrifice that offering. In some cases they do. In most cases they just take it out the back door to resell. Because it's their economy. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees get a kickback off of everything that's going on. And the money changers are making money in there as people from all over the world are coming to offer their sacrifices. It's a dangerous thing to mess with the Jewish government, and that government is under the Roman government. So Jesus is going to show up at a time when the economy is not good, when things are not going well. and along with John's calling the people to repent, which means to turn away from, to change the way you're doing something. He also came to introduce a new kingdom. For the kingdom that was there was not reigning properly, was not ruling properly, was not exercising their power properly, that everything that was going on was improper. And John knew it's time for the kingdom to come the one that is needed here so the jews being threatened by john send out a caravan of people you could see it you know maybe dozens and dozens of wagons hauling food and drink and this caravan of people walking in front and behind and and the sanhedrin seated on these uh, wagons being brought out into the wilderness where John is. All the pomp and circumstance, everything they will need for a full day's travel, because they want to see the man that they call the false Messiah. You see, their view of a Messiah was that he was going to, to come and sit among them, and that in sitting among the Sanhedrin, he would overthrow Rome and he would now rule on the earth, and they would continue to do everything the way they did, and the sacrifices would be brought in, and they would take over the world. That was their mindset. So, what is this man doing out here, who now they find out is not only calling Gentiles to be baptized, but he's telling the Jews they need to be baptized? That is a great offense. What do you mean we need to be baptized? We gain our forgiveness through our sacrificial system. And he says, that's not good enough. You need to be baptized for the removal of all these sins. Well, here comes the caravan. It's a a hot day. And they're in the wilderness, and the Jordan River is flowing here. And, and John is in the river, and John either sees the dust flying or hears the chariots as they're rolling in. But he turns, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. He says, You brood of vipers, in other words, you snakes, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? In other words, Why are you coming here? Are you coming here to be baptized because you're afraid of what's coming? Produce fruit in keeping with righteousness. Those were his last words. You need to produce fruit. Well, that was a bold move to call them out as he did. But he knew who they were. He knew the truth of those leaders. And so they come to him and they say, John, are you the Messiah? he says, no. Well, are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? The prophet? No. Well, who are you? And he reaches back into Isaiah and John records this in the 23rd verse of the first chapter of John, where John says, John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Because the Old Testament predicted that a prophet would come who would precede Christ but would introduce him. So now this is fulfillment of Scripture. He tells them, this is who I am. Don't you know that they knew the passage from Isaiah? They knew what he was quoting. And it really scared them because was their kingdom now going to be thrown in disarray? Because... This man, whoever he is, as Messiah is coming, but he wouldn't come that way. He wouldn't mess us up. So we just have to deny that he exists. We don't want him in our lives. Doesn't sound much different from today to me. We don't want Jesus in our lives because look at all the things I wouldn't be able to do. Look at all the changes I'd have to make. I can remember saying that to myself before Christ destroyed my kingdom and brought me into his. So John is setting them up in the wilderness. And they were saying, listen, Messiah can't forgive sins. I mean, he can't forgive the sins of the Gentiles. And we've already had ours forgiven through the sacrificial system. So messed up. Such a misunderstanding of the nature that you and I possess, a sinful nature from the time we're born. And yet John says, just come and be baptized. But the Jews are still fighting it. They're saying, no, Messiah is supposed to come and deliver us from Rome. Now let me tell you about Rome at this period in history. The city of Rome had about 2 million inhabitants. And probably half of those were on welfare because the city was dying. It was imploding because of the sin within it. It was the murder capital of the world. It was the abortion capital of the world. Marriages were failing. Everything was happening and going wrong. And the the older set of people who had been part of a better society decades earlier are now dying off. And all that's left are those who are running rampant and liberal and and don't really care what's happening in the world. That was Rome. Again, doesn't sound much different, does it? That we live in a world that's imploding, in a nation that's imploding. Because the kingdoms of this world are not going to last. But the kingdom of God will last forever. And you are the kingdom. You and I are in his kingdom and we are the kingdom. We will be eternal. But our prayers and our our lives need to be directed toward bringing that kingdom now to this earth. So Messiah did that. You see, there was no philosophy that could deliver Rome. There was no religion that could deliver Rome. There was no political party that could deliver Rome. And none of those work today. Our hope should never be in man. Even those who are trying their very best, our hope is not in them. Our hope must be in the Lord, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's the only name we have to hold on to. That's why we lift him up so much as we do. Otherwise, we end up, as they did, with with atheism, with despair, with Epicureanism, which is, oh, let's just live today. Tomorrow we die. Eat, drink, be merry. Or Stoicism, well, look, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that's the world that's come upon us again. It just keeps repeating itself in history because we will not grasp the kingdom of God and all the benefits that it gives us. We are too much with the world. There is a new kingdom that is needed well the caravan leaves they all go back to Jerusalem they have their meetings they're talking now about how do we get rid of this man John who's baptizing and what about this Messiah guy where where do you think he is who is he how do we get to him we need to figure this out it would take him three and a half years before they did but the next day probably early in the morning John is in the Jordan river and he turns one direction or the other and he makes this statement in John 129 the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world this is the one That I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So here's his introduction of Jesus. No fanfare. No. Here comes the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, the one who speaks and things come into existence. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, all he said was, look. Not think about it, not feel about it, but just look. Just look at Jesus. There was something about his appearance. Now, the Bible tells us he was not a good-looking guy. He was not blonde and blue-eyed, okay, as he has been depicted. He was just a normal-looking Young man of about 30. But there was something about him. He makes his way down to the water. And I think John is still looking at him. And I think when you and I look at him in that day, when our eyes are pierced by his eyes, when we are face to face with him, we're going to do what John did. We're going to melt in his presence. John said, I can't baptize you. you know, Are you kidding me? I'm a, I'm a sinful man. I'm a man born of woman and man. I, I carry a sin nature just like you and I do. So I have no rights to baptize you, but Jesus, knowing all things, says that the scriptures might be fulfilled. What did he mean by that? Well, you see, Jesus comes as the last Old Testament prophet until he does something new. And there are three things we're going to look at through this series that will be new, they'll be radical. The first is Jesus is going to present a new covenant. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then a new command and a new movement. But it begins right here with this baptism because what he is doing is this. He's saying, I want to identify with mankind because I am going to walk the walk that should be walked, the walk that Adam should have chosen. I'm going to be perfectly obedient to my Father in heaven. None of you, including me, can ever do that. We are incapable of absolute perfection apart from the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But Christ wanted to identify with us. That's why the book of Hebrews can say that he was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. Well, this is the beginning. He identifies with the Gentile. He identifies with the Jew. And he is baptized. And you know what happens right after he's baptized. This bird, a dove, comes out of heaven and floats and a voice is heard. This is my son. And who I am well pleased you know God had not spoken for 400 years not so that any man could hear him and the prophets and everyone were concerned how long will it be before God returns to us and now here he is endorsing his own son saying this is it so Jesus said "Baptize me John And John did. Now, proselyte baptism was such that not only did the person being baptized go under, but the one doing the baptism also went under with him. And they went under and they came up. And that's when that dove came down. And that is the beginning of a radical change for all of humanity. Jesus came to remove the kingdom of darkness And to bring in the kingdom of light. He came to reverse the value system. The values of the world is all idolatry. No matter what it may be. We live in a dark world that's filled with idolatry and greed. That's why we see so much devastating behavior taking place throughout our nation today. It is ripe for the return of Messiah. But before he comes back, it's ripe for us, the church, which represents that kingdom, to speak our minds and our hearts into it. It's time for us to take our stands in prayer and take our stands in the civil ways that we may do it to talk about absolute truth. Jesus came to dispel the darkness. John says in the opening of his gospel that, but the darkness didn't understand it. The darkness didn't want it. And yet, it's what we're called to do. So he introduces a new covenant. That's later in our journey. But it happened on that night that the disciples gathered together at the Last Supper when the very first thing he said that was new was this. This is my body. This is my blood. This is the new covenant in my blood. He fulfilled the old covenant. Every prophecy about Jesus Christ has either been fulfilled or it will be upon his return. So what he's offering now is something new. You don't have to go to temple every day. You don't have to go and buy some kind of a creature to offer as a sacrifice to have your sins forgiven. Jesus said, I'm going to do that with my body and my blood. I'm going to take care of you. So your names and mine were in his infinite mind when he was baptized and also when he was on the cross. So he initiated that new covenant at the dinner he ratified it on the cross, and then he sealed it with the open tomb. So the new covenant stands. The new command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, all your mind, all your body. That's the summation of everything in the Old Testament. It's not 600 laws to follow. It's not doing what every priest or pastor tells you to do. It's this, if you love the Lord your God, they will know we are Christians by our love. But love does not go against justice. You cannot be loving and unjust at the same time. You must be just and loving. That's how God is. So Jesus ushered these things in, the new covenant, the new command, and then a new movement, a movement that started right here when Jesus goes out a few days later and begins to gather his disciples. And then he spends three years speaking to those disciples, revealing the kingdom of God to them. It's an amazing journey that each one of them went on. And at the end of that journey, everything was where it should be. Jesus Has taken away our sins so if he were to be introduced today if I were given the unbelievable privilege of one who needs no introduction it would be you know in our presence today is the King of Kings is the Lord of Lords is the creator of the universe Is pure light as a matter of fact there are 365 names of him in the Bible we could spend two or three hours just introducing him and not even get close to who he is but this is the question I have just as John said look behold the Savior have you looked in that direction lately Have you looked for him to come into your life? To bring that light into whatever dark spots you may have? Because we all have them. Have you invited him to include you in his kingdom? You know, Lord, bring me into your kingdom. Manifest your kingdom to me so that I will understand and I'll know whose kingdom I'm in. John introduced Jesus to that multitude of people. Jesus introduced himself to 12 disciples. 12 disciples introduced Jesus to multitudes of people and through the generations and the centuries you and I have been introduced to him. Have you understood the introduction it's not about religion because he was opposed to religion it's not about creating a particular culture he was opposed to the culture of the times and he would be opposed to our culture today it's about him the person of jesus that's why john would say the kingdom is near you why because jesus is the kingdom He represents the kingdom. He's the king of the kingdom. And here he is offering himself for someone like me. There's no good thing innate in me or in you. And yet he loved us enough to include us in his kingdom. And there are still two kingdoms out there. There's the kingdom of darkness, and we live in its midst, yet we are the kingdom of God. So hold on to that relationship you have with Christ in that kingdom, because that's the only way you're going to see truth and live in truth and be able to make it until his kingdom comes again. The darkness appears to be winning, but the kingdom of God will last forever. The kingdom of darkness will fail. You are the kingdom of God. Do away with your idols and hear John's introduction again. Look, behold, the lamb of God. Now we can say who came and took away the sins of the world. Do you know him? Let me introduce him to you one more time. His name is Jesus. And he is the Messiah let's pray Lord thank you for the humble beginning you had thank you for identifying with us right off the bat you know we need you Lord we need help in this day and age help for ourselves for our children for our children's children for our society for the world in which we live Oh, Lord, come soon, Lord Jesus, but come now into our hearts. If there are any here who need to see you for the first time, open their eyes that they might see. Help us, Jesus. We love you because you first loved us, and we thank you for your sacrifice for us. We give you this day and every day to follow because you are our Messiah. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hope to see you back next week. We go into the wilderness with Jesus and have a little talk with the devil. And uh, make sure that you pick up a book if you didn't get one. And uh, be careful going home. See you next week.